0: What does motion sound like? With Kizikans Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this.
1: Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com/socks. socks.
2: All right, you are listening to the Viero Vault.
0: Yeah, well, say your name in the band, too, you know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right. Hey, that, that's a good idea. <laughs> all right, well, all right try it. we'll try it again. Hey, this is Dan Watson of Hex, and you're listening to the Bierra Vault.
3: Grammar jam, I swear, and it's the death of my podcast.
0: This guy's insane, and he brought your brain to the south of the Bierra Vault. Smack a gob and it's time for another Bierra Vault. This week, it's hysterical. I did a killer interview with Dan Watson from Hex. Well, I did some of it. Uh, my ex-guitar player, Willie Barter, William Barter, um, is a huge, huge Hex fan. And he had to be part of it. And he joined us and he was very drunk. But funny as fuck. Not a slurring drunk, not you know, incoherent or anything, he was on the ball. And uh, Dan got a kick out of it and uh, was very uh, was very happy to hear Willie's fandom uh, because Willie knows his hex. So, uh, without further ado, let's get into it. This is me and Willie's interview with Dan Watson from Hex. All right, it is a pleasure. To have with me from Hex, Mr. Dan Watson. How you doing, Dan? I'm doing great,
2: Rob. Thank you so much for having me on your show, man.
0: Hey, thank you for being part of it. And I have with us as well, William Barter, who's uh, a huge fan. And uh, he's going to have some questions for you. Say hi, Willie.
1: Hey, how's it going, Dan? Um, I just want to tell you, and we were talking a little bit before, um, huge fan of yours. Uh, I even drew the Hex logo on my book bag in high school. Yeah. <laughs> A buddy of mine turned me on to Hex, heard obviously I heard the you know the speed, you know, thrash death metal stuff first. Went yeah. back, heard the old stuff, was like, whoa, what the hell is this? It's getting all over the place, you know, and and you know, I I used to sport the book bag with the hex logo. Kids would be like, Who's that? I'm like, Oh, you don't know Hex, you poser, you know, and that's pretty much how that <laughs> was. <laughs> Good <for> you, Willie.
3: <laughs>
1: so it's a it's a real pleasure to actually talk to you and, and I gotta tell you. And I, again, I said this before, but, um, you know, I really I personally admire you as a guitar player because, you know, the stuff that you did, uh, you know, throughout your career, uh, you did some pretty sick stuff. I mean, you guys got really, really technical at one point, you know, like pretty techie, you know, and
2: yeah, went overboard a little bit there. It was I awesome. We, I think we might have been smoking too much potting back then. <laughs> But i mean that i mean
1: that shit just rips your face off like seriously like from from like right out the gate, you know But um, okay. I'll go ahead yeah, and let ralph take it's over
0: Well, I I would like to dan before we get because you know willie's got the history And I am aware of the other stuff as well. I'm I'm no poser but uh, <laughs> but but uh, but I do want to get right into entangled in sin I got a advanced copy of it um, and uh Wow, it's a great album, man. Um,
2: oh, thank you. Yeah,
0: yeah, I'm telling you, like, uh, songs like Power Mad, like, r- really, like, you know, stuck to me and Beautiful Eye. And, and, and the song that really got stuck in my head was Vultures Gather Round.
3: Oh, good.
0: But uh, but, but the title track, uh, there's some interesting lyrics on that one. What what inspired this song?
2: <laughs> oh, see, you opened up a whole can of worms there, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, to, well, what it is, is I, I I was born into a religious cult where my father was the leader. Mm. And um, he, it, much like the song, uh, he lost all his followers, and it wasn't because he was smoking and drinking and jerking off to porn, it was just, yeah. he, he's just, uh, just con, you know, I think he was confused at the time, and he he had sustained a head injury, and there were some other issues, so... But, yeah, just so I kind of have this, you know, this father issue and I have issues with religion because I I grew up watching how uh, easily, you know, weak minded people can be manipulated by by religion and by charismatic religious leaders.
0: Right. Well, it's a very, very interesting song. So, yeah, it's not technically about your dad, but it's a very inspired song from from your upbringing.
2: Yeah, and and from a you know, kind of like the whole thing, the whole you know, the Catholic Church thing. You know, it's like you're you're born a sinner and all that stuff, and you know, so you, you're they they make they make it so they put you in this box right away, and then you know, if you're indoctrinated with that belief, then you're screwed. You know, so I just I just don't like that whole uh, you know mind control thing that the, that religion does, especially especially you know uh, Catholicism and you know
0: right right now um this uh is is there is there like um because it, it's been three years since the last album uh wrath wow. of the reaper three years already wow yeah 2017 <laughs> fun. yeah exactly uh was there more thought because to me it sounds like there's more thought put into this album than not and wrath of the reaper is great don't get me wrong i'm not uh saying that's a bad album but this one seems a little more cohesive and a little more thought put into it would you agree with that
2: yeah, and I appreciate you, uh, you know, noticing that. Because, yeah, that we, I, I did put a lot of th- thought, especially into the lyrics and into the concepts. And, uh, you know, the, th- the songs were w- a lot more thought out and planned out. And, you know, we, we were more selective with the kind of riffs we were using. And, uh, you know, I, I'd come up with a bunch of riffs and I kind of narrowed it down to the best 200 or so and, and made the album out of it, you know?
0: Right. And uh, you re-recorded a couple songs from uh, the first album, right? Terror and Night of Pain?
2: Yeah, yeah. That was actually our manager, uh, Bart Gabriel's idea. Uh, you know, the, and the idea behind that was, you know, the first album, the No Escape album, you know, was our first album. And, you know, it, the production wasn't that great on it. And he thought those songs, you know, deserved... Uh, uh, another another shot at at uh, uh, some time in the spotlight, you know, and and he was right, man, because uh, re-recording those, we were able to really, you know, get a really good version of them, because the the drums aren't very good in the first on the No Escape album, you can't really hear the drums, and you know, it was just, and it was fun just to re-record them, and of course our singer Eddie Ve- Eddie Vega just nailed it, you know, crazy yeah. with the with his vocals technique, so. Yeah, I was really I was really pleased with those songs. I was pleased. I'm pleased with the whole album. You know, it's uh, it's it's pretty much what my vision for it was. You know, and whether right. any, whether anybody else really likes that or not, I don't know. But I, I got I gotta like it, or I can't, or I don't want to put it out. You know, so I'm, well. I, I'm funny though.
0: In the end of the day, Dan, as long as you like it, it's a like success, right?
2: Yeah, and i I may be the only one that listens to it, but hey, you know.
0: <laughs> well, me me and you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's good. I'm glad I'm I, totally alone.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, uh unfortunately Willie couldn't hear it 'cause um because of the pandemic, he's not too close to me and I was I was uh sworn to, to secrecy. I could not share this with him Because I actually wrote saying, Can I send this to my friend? He wants to be part of it. No, you can't share it. I was like, Oh, okay. You know, but um you know, Willie unfortunately hasn't heard it yet. When when do, when is it released? Um I- Oh, I see here, 20, the September 25th, 2020.
2: Oh, okay, that's what it is. I better write that down so I know it is.
3: September.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, actually, what, what happened was I was supposed to go over, but I coughed on the phone because I'm a chain smoker, you know? And he's like, oh, don't come over here, man. You got the corona, you know? No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, can't be too careful nowadays. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty nuts out there. Yeah, this is actually, we're living through, like, history right now. All right, go ahead, Ralph.
0: Yeah, well, it's going to be on High uh, Roller Records. Just uh, be on the lookout out there. Uh, Dan, like, usually what I do toward the end of the, the show is, you know, I, I play some so people be aware of it. Would be, would there be a specific song you would want me to add uh, to the end of this? So people, like, if you were to pick one song off this album to represent the whole album, what song would that be?
2: Oh, man. That's I, know a, it's
0: a, I know it's a tough one.
2: <laughs> the idea was to have all the songs a little different, so... But, uh, oh, I don't know. Um, oh, I don't know. I guess uh, uh, Strive the Grave might be a good one.
0: Okay. All right. I'll, I'll add that toward the end. All right. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about the process of this new album?
2: Um, sure. Uh, it, it, you know, the songwriting process begins primarily with me, and I, I've developed some songs and then I make a demo tape in my basement and I send it to all the guys and email and get everybody's feedback. And I, uh, you know, that helps a lot because the guys don't hold back with the criticism. They go, ah, that's horrible. What are you doing with that? Right. You know? Right. Uh, and then they'll say if it's, if it's, if they think that's good or something we can develop. So that's the first step of the process is making sure all the guys like the riffs and like the songs and everything. And once, once I get, to, cause if those guys aren't vibing on it, I can't go to the next level with it. You know? So the band has to really be vibing on the material. And then once that, once that happens, the rest is pretty easy. We kind of, uh, rehearsals, we work out the, the bugs and stuff. And uh, so, we're, so we're ready when we go into the studio. We're ready. We know exactly what we're going to do. We know all the beats per minute for, for all the song. We know how long the song is going to be. We work out any weird things beforehand so we don't waste time in the studio. You know, we've been doing this enough to where we kind of have a little our little process refined. So that we can deliver, you know, the best recording we can do with, you know, with the budget we're offered.
0: Right. And were, were any of these songs, were all these songs written before uh, this whole pandemic thing?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Long before.
0: Oh, all of it. Oh, yeah. As, and and the,
2: rec- old, the recording was finished long oh. before the pandemic came out. Oh, wow.
0: Wow. So yeah. it's been in the can for a while.
2: Yeah, well, it took us a year to record it, and and the whole project was plagued with problems and disasters. You know, the uh, our bass player, our original bass player Bill Peterson, was was uh, scheduled to record bass for the uh, two remakes from the No Escape album, and he died a week, oh, no. before, a week before his, his studio session. So yeah, that sucked, and went inside to have Don, our new bass player, come in and uh, re-record because we look, you know, we didn't have have to do bass on those because bill was going to do it so that was a big bummer and then our uh, studio engineer and good friend tim narducci his dad passed away halfway through the project so he was all you know torn up and we had to stop for that and there were there i mean I, I need to i should probably start writing this stuff down because there's so many things i can't even remember but we had, we ultimately we finally we persevered and we got through the damn thing and uh looking back you know, it, it was hard, but it it was good. Uh, you know, it it is what it is. You know, that's life. You know, it, it throws you curves and and there's bumps in the road, and that's what defines your character in the end, right?
0: And in the end, you came out with a great album.
2: Well, thank <laughs> you. I, I I hope so. I you know I I'm happy with it, but I'm weird, man. I, I, a lot <laughs> of the times, I I don't vibe with what everybody else is vibing on. I'm out there on my own, so I I don't know if anybody else is really gonna like it or not. <laughs>
0: Oh, I like, I think they will. All right, Willie, here's your chance, man. You got By those way,
1: questions. Yeah, no, I got, a, I got a ton of shit. Um, but I was going to actually say, you know, sorry about your loss with Bill and stuff. Yeah. Like that. I actually wanted to mention that earlier, you know, it sucks losing like an old buddy and stuff like that, you know, and
2: yeah, uh, yeah hard.
1: he was a, he was a sick, sick bass player. I mean, you know, mind blowing, man. The guy was like pretty, pretty rad on the bass. Like,
2: yeah, he, he was great, and uh, you know, we started really young, and uh, you know, he was a great friend, and you know, we we spent countless hours making music and traveling, and you know, it's just rough when you lose someone like that. No, I can imagine, dude.
1: I I, I trust me, I kind of can relate to like a certain degree. Um, well, I'm gonna get started as a as a Hex fan. You know, I have like a ton of questions, but you know, the the number great. one question would be. And I think, you know, everybody that's been into Hex for, like, years is... I mean, I'm sure there's some listeners out there that, you know, maybe this is the first time they're hearing about Hex posers, you know? Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, the first question, and, of course, uh, Die diehard's always going to ask you this. Is there any unreleased demo or any, like, songs that didn't make the cut, you know, throughout the years, whether it be from back in the day or through the, you know, the speed, you know, death insanity you guys did? Is there anything out there that... You know that you might have recorded that we haven't heard yet.
2: Yeah, oddly enough, there's a whole album. Holy shit! <laughs>
1: Holy shit! That's what, awesome.
2: What, what year?
0: Around, what? What era was this album uh, yeah, that was, was released? It was right
2: after uh, Morbid Realities. So what oh, happened wow. was after we recorded Mor- uh, Morbid Reality, we we recorded that by ourselves. We didn't. We didn't have a label, and so we. Uh, financed it ourselves and recorded ourselves and pitched it around, and just got rejected from everybody. But you know, by that time, the last thing any record labels wanted was another speed metal act, right? So, we were, we were about to throw in the towel, and we got a call from uh, uh, the good folks at uh, Century Media, and and they put the record out, and we toured for that, and they paid for the tour, and we did. You know, they they flew us to to, to New York to play some big sick festival with Cannibal Corpse and a bunch of other killer acts, and we we did everything we could to support the record, but uh, there was turmoil inside more inside the record label. And uh, when it came time to do the new album, you know we wanted you know we we'd written a new album and re- uh, recorded it on, on cassette tapes, live rehearsal tapes, and uh, sent it in. And they they didn't they didn't even respond. They wouldn't even say they wouldn't even tell me to fuck off. You know
1: they oh, just wow. like. Yeah, it was fucking weird. Holy shit, man. So, yeah. like, I mean, does this, I mean, do you still have the recordings of all these, like, I mean, there's well,
2: like the a... Bill, Bill and I are the only ones that had cassette tapes of, of, of it was like seven or eight songs. And we decided after more after touring Morbid Reality, that we didn't want to do that extreme technical death metal that we were, that we just did, because it was really hard to, to tour with playing that kind of music every night. I bet. Yeah. It was one thing, it was fun to make a record like that, but the, the reality of going out and touring for that album was, well, it was hard, especially on our drummer, because it's just, you know, well, you know what this record sounds like.
1: So yeah, yeah. We,
2: just, we decided to go back to our uh, power metal roots. And so we wrote an entire album. The only track I met, the title track was going to be a song called Sink or Swim, and it was about us. You know, we were about, we were going to sink or swim with this next batch of tunes. And uh so there's a cassette tape there I thought Bill had one he thought I had one neither one of us could find it I have Aww. a big box I have a big box of cassette tapes I just it's a huge box I it would take me a week to go through all the tapes to find it and uh Bill passed away and I don't know where his tapes are so I I might have a tape of it somewhere but I can't find it. <laughs> oh,
0: so so none of it, none you know, of those
2: songs. Sunday, but but it's not very good. Recall it's live rehearsal tapes. But it's all it's like seven or eight new Hex songs. Oh, but that's still sick, man. Kind of metal. <laughs> they were good. I thought they were good, you know. And uh, but yeah, and then you know, and then so we, we sunk instead of swim instead of swimming right there. That's when the band yeah. up. And uh, you know we couldn't get that record going. So and then you know the whole metal scene was changing at that particular pivotal time anyway nirvana nobody wanted to hear metal was all that grunge shit you know so it was over you know and that was it yeah yeah so no. there's a tape somewhere in my basement but you know i would have to rewrite i would have to go back and find it and then if we wanted if any of the songs were any good you know i'd have to re-record them because you couldn't release that cassette tape the quality's too poor you know
1: Oh no, so, that's that's like still pretty awesome though. Like I mean, that that even happened, you know.
2: So uh, none of so,
0: the none of those songs were re-recorded, like for for the uh, Up from the Graves demo.
2: No, no, okay. that was all all new stuff. And yeah, like I said, we we're tra- we were we were trying to go back to the power power metal roots, like Under the Spell. So all the songs were more groove oriented. We weren't doing there was some fast stuff going on, but nothing like Morbid Reality or Quest for Sanity, you know. Right.
1: Do you think down the road you,
2: you we've done the road you, oh, 180 already, you know?
1: Right. Well, what were we saying? No, I was going to say, do you think down the road, like, if you ever found that tape, you'd ever record, like, re-record some of those, just for, the, you know, just for kicks, or not?
2: Maybe. Um, if the songs, like I said, if the songs are good, you know, it's like, you know it is, when you, you think a song's good, and then you put it on a tape, and you listen to it 30 years later, and you go, what was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> But you know maybe that's why we didn't get another record deal because the, the songs weren't good enough. But I think they were. It was, we were excited about it. It was it was good grooving stuff, man. And you know Cl- Clint, the other guitarist, had wrote several songs, and they were cool, man. But you know we had that death metal vocal thing going on. But it was it was the music was more power metal, but the vocals were death. So oh, that's With awesome. Your combination. <laughs> that's yeah, yeah re- that's pretty sad. That record that'll never be <laughs> <laughs>
0: well it's good that uh your uh the last two albums were on high roller records so i guess you guys got a good thing going with them
2: yeah we're really lucky that those guys are on our side man because uh they're really cool and they've helped us a lot and without them there you wouldn't be hearing from hex right now at all but without them and bar gabriel there there would be no hex to talk about right now
1: right, actually, on, right on. actually they re-released a bunch of the old stuff like i have a, a morbid reality vinyl from high rollers and you know they they've put out like they've reissued a lot of the old stuff and yeah. given you guys like a lot of justice actually a good packaging you know good you know yeah. uh,
2: everything <laughs> like yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah everything they do is really good quality you know I'm, I'm, we're really happy and, and very fortunate that they you know give us the time of day
1: <laughs> no, and trust me, a lot of the fans out there are really appreciative of them too. Because you know, I mean, my my hex uh, cassette of uh Morbid Rally couldn't take anymore. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, I have it on so, CD, but I have I have the the original one on CD.
1: That's rare, the Century Media one. That's uh, pretty rare. It's hard to get. Yeah. You know, it's uh, I mean, that, that fetches bucks. Let me tell you. Um, I was gonna yeah. tell you. So, next question, I got to ask you. I have to ask you because you know I'm a guitar player myself, and. You know, a lot of dudes that listen to Hex, you know, whether it be any era, they probably play guitar, too. There's a lot of them out there, you know. So I have to ask yep. you, in gear, man, like, what is it that you, what's your go-to amps, guitar, pickups, pedals, the whole nine? Like, let's have it. Let's have uh, some tips from the from the master over here.
2: Well, you know, I'm an old man, you know. I, I, I don't, <laughs> I'm i stuck in my ways. I, I like my old Flying B, you know, my Gibson Flying B. Uh, I uh, I think I think there's a Seymour Duncan in the bridge position, and that and the one I use most of the time. Oh yeah, right. uh, my you know John Marshall works as a, as a you know he's a big shot at Mesa Boogie there and um uh, you know up, up north in Northern California. So he he turned me on to some you know to the boogie amp. So I I this album I I used the boogie to record you know the dual rectifier to 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 record this album. Uh, the last album, I think I used an Engle amp uh, for uh, Wrath of the Reaper for for all the rhythms, and I used a Marshall for the solos. But this time I used the Boogie for everything, and I, I, it, just, it just sounded so mean, you know. The rhythm, especially when I doubled the rhythms, is just crunchy, and I saw, ah, that's what I want.
1: That's yeah, I saw you. Fun. I saw you with the Mesa Boogie on a live uh, clip on on YouTube, actually. And uh, that's why I was asking because I I know they used to use Marshalls I think back in the day. Everybody um, used
2: Marshalls.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you know, it, it, you know, Marshall amps. You know, the, it's kind of a they're they're a one trick pony, right? But it's a good trick, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, vicious. No, seriously. <laughs> and any other like effects or anything that you use uh, aside from the amp, like any pedals or anything
2: that you're no, a big fan no, of? No, I. I try to just, I really don't, I used I went through a phase like all guitar players do, I guess, you know, where Mm. I experimented with all kinds of pedals and sounds and I thought I was going to be pink Floyd for a minute there, you know, and then, (laughs) you know, and and I just, I'm the older I get, the more, the the more the need for simplicity. And uh, plus the less, you know, I've, I've done, you know, enough live shows to know that the more things you have going on, the more chances something could go wrong, you know? And so I really, especially when we're, traveling and touring playing somewhere like in a foreign country or something. I, I don't, I just, I just want to go directly into the amp. I want to make sure I get a good sound. I, um, I've been playing with a a sound generator, you know, like an amp simulator that I I take when I, when I, when we travel abroad, because that way you can, I can get the tone I want and just plug it into any amp and just use the clean channel. Yeah. And, it, and it's it's good enough, you know. It's I get a good sound that way, and it's consistent. And the the box is bulletproof, you know. It's, it's, it's like a stomp, stomp on the. I have a. It's two channels, so I have one for solo boost, and then the other for rhythm. And that way, I can just perform. I don't have to worry about oh god, I got to get to the wah pedal now, or I got to go and, and push on the flanger. <laughs> ah, well, fuck all that, I don't, you know. I don't like <laughs> the window. I just want to get out there and fucking, you know really just lay it down and perform and have a good time. I don't want to be bogged down with a bunch of, you know, a bunch of effects that, you know, most of the time people don't, don't notice it anyway. They're looking at the lead singer's balls or something, you know, so it matter.
3: <laughs>
1: which brings me to my next question um, not about you know lead singer's balls but like as far as like,
3: <laughs> <laughs> as far
1: as influences uh i you know i've actually gone on the the hex metal website read all the stuff great stuff on there by the way really crazy shit like you guys got a a lot of information about the band on there um oh, yeah. you know anybody that's a fan of of hacks should really go on there and like read up on on some of the history of the band but um, what are your like? You know, for the people that don't know, what are your influences? I know you mentioned UFO and stuff like that. Like early on, what 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 really got you going and getting you into the whole like just playing guitar and wanting to be in a band and that sort of thing.
2: Well, actually, my uh, uh, uncle Joe got me into playing music. He was a, a guitar player in in, a, in bands in the '60s and '70s and. You know, he had long hair and played Les Paul, and he was cool. And uh, he, his, his band would rehearse at my grandmother's house, you know, where he lived on Saturdays. And uh, I'd gotten my first guitar, I think I was eight, seven or eight, and I'd got my first real electric guitar and a little amplifier, and I was learning how to play. And uh, he invited me over to, to his rehearsal to watch his band rehearse in, in my grandmother's living room. And uh I was just you know I was like, i'm hanging with the I'm hanging with the cool guys now, right, so I'm just a little kid right, but they're being cool, and they were they were kind of goofing on that I was you know already you know playing guitar and into it, and they let me sit in with them, you know, so I mean my app wasn't I, you know you couldn't hear what I was doing because I had a little track toy practice in, but I felt so cool <laughs> jamming with those guys, you know I, I couldn't really play you know, but i it was I was it was great man it that that did more than anything to you know, fire, fuel the fire for me. And then he turned me on to, you know, Michael Shanker and Richie Blackmore and uh, Tony Iommi and on oh and on, yeah, you know, Rick Derringer you know, Robin Trower, the list goes on and on. He turned me on to everybody.
3: And I was oh, just cool. a sponge.
2: I went out and bought all the records and I joined that uh, what was the thing you buy, you know, 99 cents for 100 records kind of deal and you never pay, Columbia,
0: you know? Columbia House
2: <laughs> Columbia House <laughs> 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 because so, you know, I could. Oh, we were poor, man. I didn't have any money to buy records, you know. So I, that was the only way I could do it. And and uh, yeah, I I just I just soaked up everything. I used to make, uh, in order to to uh, further my soloing abilities, I used to make uh, cassette tapes of of all the solos of all the players I liked. Like I had a I had a whole tape just of Eddie Van Halen. I cut all his solos out and and uh, spliced them together. And I had a Michael Schenker tape with all his solos sheet together, Jimmy Page, Richie Blackmore, you know, Robin Trower. And I would just listen to these 90-minute cassettes every night when I was going to sleep. So I'm just listening to solos end on end, you know, just the solos. And uh, when I got older and was, you know, lucky enough to have a girlfriend sleep with me or something, it would drive him crazy. <laughs> so that, honey, it's not even a song. It's just soloing soloing. <laughs> you, you wouldn't understand, honey. That's awesome. <laughs> That's fucking awesome.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, um, getting back to like, uh, you know, the early days and stuff like that, what, you know, I, I noticed, uh, Kirk Hammett was mentioned a couple of times on the, uh, Hexmodel website. Like what's your relationship mm-hmm.
2: with him? Oh, well, uh, Kirk lived right around the street from where my grandmother lived. And, uh, when my uh, parents broke up, we lived at my grandmother's house for a while and Bill knew Kirk, Bill, Bill Peterson, our ba- old bass player. And he knew Kirk and, uh, actually we all met in junior high school and we, we met, uh, exchanging comic books we were all kind of comic book nerds and so there was like four or five of us that would meet you know in a place where the other guys wouldn't beat us up and uh traded comic books and stuff and kirk was one of those guys and uh um we, we go to his house and we start getting in guitars stuff. So, in fact i sold kirk his first electric guitar i sold him my original guitar that i got for christmas uh it was like a telstar you know something i sold it to him, it to him for 15 bucks and a stack of cream magazines that he had and he take, oh, he'd taken all the pictures from the inside the cream magazines like of all the artists and stuff and pasted po- them on his wall so all the magazines he gave me and trade i didn't bother looking at him first right had all the fucking pictures taken out of them <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i don't know if he remembers that or not but <clears throat> i remember thinking shit i should have should have held on to that guitar
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> what kind of comics were you into back in those days? I, this is a really random question. I just yeah. I,
2: I, oh, I, I, I was into Spider Man. You know, I was into Marvel comics. You know, Iron Man, uh, Ghost oh, Rider. Ra- yeah. You know, of course, I, I grew up. You know, with early Batman and Superman and stuff. When I got older, you know, I got into Spider Man, and that 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 was my main my main thing. Daredevil. You know, the early Marvel stuff was was what we were into.
1: So is that where that spider jam comes from at the end of uh, Morbid yes. Reality? Because you guys, you guys do a sick, like, dude, and it's totally from the '60s cartoon, and like, and
2: it's so yes. awesome. That shit is like legendary, <laughs> like it's, really great. Is it? Is that you, Willie? Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah,
2: yeah. yeah that's a very observant of you, man. That's you're you're pretty sharp. I'm gonna be looking out for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I could tell, dude. You
1: had the whole like, ding, 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 da, dun yeah. Da-da. I mean, yeah. I, I watched every single episode of that shit. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, like, but... when I heard that, I was like, oh, my God, Hex is into Spider-Man. Fuck yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. yeah. And I'm not the only person that noticed, uh Actually, our, our drummer, uh, Caesar, you know, I actually mentioned that I was going to interview. I was like, dude, I got to ask him, what's up with the Spider-Jam? Who Whose idea
2: was that, you know?
1: <laughs> like, what's up with that, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah that... people noticed. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, for, I actually forgot about that that song that that was fun to play live too it was you know it was, it was it was instrumental you know so it gave clint a break on the vocal and we got we got to have a jam on it as that actually came came about we were uh we, we were high on pot you know all, all yeah. <laughs> we always smoked dope at rehearsal you know and so we were stoned and goofing around and i started doing that riff and it just kind of came together and you know, it just seemed it just it just came together one night at practice.
1: Yeah, no, that, that, it came out great, by the way. It's like one of my favorite tracks on the album. or oh, I've forgotten all about
2: that. Thanks for reminding me.
1: Which actually get, getting back to those days, I got to ask you another question that, you know, I'm sure there's somebody out there listening that's wondering the same thing. And it, and it always kind of like messed me up, man. Um, you know, like I said, I got into morbid reality first, you know, when checked out the old stuff. Funny enough, I went to a local metal show down here in South Florida and I found a hex tape, but there was no tape inside. Right. So oh. and it was, it was the watery graves tape, you know, and I'm like, Oh, oh shit, look are, at this. It's that sick. Band. <laughs> yeah. So I went out and I got it, you know, like I hunted for that, you know, like crazy. I was like, Oh, I need the watery graves, you know, from the wild rags, you know? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. and so I finally got it. Right. And it said, you know, I had the tracks on one side and an interview on the other side. Yeah. Um, Put on the interview, there's no interview on the other side, like what what happened with the interview like was there was there an interview on there or like well
2: you there, know there there was no it wasn't on there, but we did an interview it was that was Richard C, you know uh, the guy from Wild Graerss Records. that was his idea promotional idea to do the do the uh the single and then on the back of the tape have like an interview, and we did the interview. And uh, I don't know what I forget now what the problem was either he didn't like it or it, it it didn't work or something or he it just didn't it didn't end up on the on the tape is what what all I really remember so yeah that was just weird
1: oh man I mean does do any recordings of that interview still exist or
2: is that like I,
1: w- I
0: don't
2: I, I I don't know that was so long ago man I was twenty thirty. Yes.
0: <laughs> Willie, didn't Willie, didn't you tell me that you thought you got like a defective
2: tape because yeah, the interview?
1: I thought mine was broke. I bought it again.
3: <laughs> I bought it <laughs> twice,
1: <laughs> you know. And then I bought it on vinyl, and it like didn't have it on there either. I was like, dude, what's up with the interview, man? So you know what I'm gonna do when we get off on this thing? I'm gonna go ahead and uh, like get the tape and put this interview. On side B, that's what I'm gonna (laughs) do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm like, I have the hex interview finally, man. After I don't know how many fucking years. Yeah, Dan,
0: can you remember what you said on that interview so we can put it here? Yeah,
1: let's replay. Hi, I'm I'm the guy from Wild Rags. How you doing, Dan?
2: And I don't remember. I don't remember. That was a long time ago.
0: Yeah, I know. (laughs) <laughs>
2: all right so yeah. we're gonna take it way
1: back all the way back to paradox um you know i i know you guys opened up for a bunch of killer acts and stuff like that you want to talk a little bit about that you know kind of smarten everybody up on the old paradox days or
2: yeah yeah um you know paradox you know we we uh we graduated from the backyard party scene you know everybody was doing that you know backyard beer parties and some of those got really wild now we we played this one uh in uh, San Pablo, near uh, down the street from where the California Hells Angels lived, and they came and raided the party, and you know they they got they you know, got rowdy and they you know started fights and you know some the whole we were playing jamming in the living room and everybody's going crazy and the next you know this guy comes flying through like the wall you know it's like somebody threw him through the wall and it was you know just, just incredible these big nasty biker bikers all. Tweaked out on meth and booze, you know, they, they, it was just awful. So wow. we graduated from that into in nightclubs and we started playing the old Waldorf, uh, the Keystone Berkeley circuit, the Keystone circuits here in the Bay Area. Um, you know, we started, you know, and then we started opening for bigger acts. And then we got a chance to open for um, Quiet Riot and Lita Ford at the concert barn. And, uh, and that worked out really well. Uh, we had a really good show. And um, everybody loved us. And then the following week, uh, we got to open for Dio's very first concert when he started when he left Sabbath and uh, went out on his own for the Holy Diver tour. You know, Jimmy Bain and uh, Vivian Campbell on guitar. And uh, we got we got to open that show, and that was a complete opposite. Everybody, I mean, nobody wanted to see Paradox, man. It, we, we, you know, we had a half hour set. We're opening the show was a hardcore Black Sabbath fan out there. There's, you know, 4,000 people out there. And the, the show was quiet, Riot, We were like, we could do no wrong. Everybody loved us. It was great. We thought it was great. We thought this weekend was going to be the same thing. Everybody hated us. We just uh, see <laughs> it. There's flipping us off bottles, cups, ice, booze. You know, they're trying to get us off the stage. And that was, that was hard, man. That was like one weekend, you total adulation. The next weekend, total rejection by a large crowd but we didn't we, di- we didn't let them boo us off the stage we finished our set and uh but yeah that that was quite an experience <laughs> you think you figure
0: it would have been the opposite right because I, I think paradox like was more aligned with the uh, deal than quiet ride and Lita well, Ford, right
2: well you know what a lot of people don't realize was that at that time we had a female singer oh. was before it was before Dennis Manzo joined the band. And so we, we were coming off at that point in our careers kind of like a heavy metal heart. The singer was really good. She sounded and looked like Pat Benatar. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, so she was, you know, she was blonde. She was really good looking. And, you know, and, you know, of course, wearing the spandex and stuff and the striped shirts. And, you know, it, that went well with the Quiet Riot crowd, but it did not fly with the Sabbath crowd. last <laughs> so yeah, damn. And after that, after that, we got... Dennis Manzo in the band and then we did a demo and then we got signed and became Hex.
1: And who's, uh, who's, whose idea was it to like, you know, change the name from Paradox to Hex? And where did that even come from? The whole like because that's a by the way, that's a killer fucking name for a band. You know, like, hey, we're Hex, you know? Like yeah. you you know,
2: you're <laughs> Hexed. It seemed like a good idea at the time, but over the years, you know whenever something bad happens or something doesn't work out for the band, I think, ah, maybe I shouldn't have named the band Hex, you know oh, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> but I'm not I'm not superstitious, so you know I don't pay any attention to that. but it, it was actually Mike Barney's uh, you know from Shrapnel Records. It was his idea because he said there were already you know he did a name search. this is before everybody had personal computers and access to the internet, but he did a name search. And he said, ah, there's already several paradoxes in Europe and stuff, and it's going to be confusing. And maybe that was true, maybe not. Maybe he just thought it wasn't a very metal name or something. And so we we all, you know, got stoned and drunk, and everybody wrote down a bunch of names, and Hex was the only one everybody could agree upon, including Mike Barney. So, And then we were running out of time. It's like, hey, man, you guys are in the studio next week. You know, we got to get this going on. And uh, th- that was the other funny thing is that, you know, we'd done a three-song demo that I'd sent in to Mike Varney's. Uh, you know, he used to do a uh, an article for Guitar Player magazine back in the day, spotlighting guitarists. And mm-hmm. so I sent them our demo, hoping I, he would do a, an article on me. You know, as a guitarist, because I was the only guitarist in the band at that time. And uh, he, uh, he he got he got he called me one time, and I was so excited. I thought he was going to do a. a an article on me and he, he was just inviting me to this head cutting contest at the Palo Alto Keystone get a bunch of guitarists together and you go up and face off and try to cut each other's head, you know? And so I, I did that. And then after that, I, he, he wasn't even at the gig. I thought, Oh, Mike Barton is going to be there. He's going to see me play. We're going to get signed. And none of that happened. So weeks went by and I was all depressed. And then I, he calls me up and wanted to know if we wanted to make a record. And so I, I was like, Okay, nobody else was asking, so we said yes.
0: (laughs) Wow. And you ended up on shrapnel.
2: Yeah, the first two records were on shrapnel. Uh, That's awesome.
0: So you were part of the whole Bay Area exodus and, like, the first wave, right?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, In fact, uh, when Kirk got um, uh, tapped to play with Metallica, you know, Gary and uh, Tom, from Exodus approached me one night at the old Waldorf and asked me if I would be interested in, you know, taking his place. And at the time, you know, those guys were way hardcore partiers than, than we were. I mean, we, we, we were doing drugs and stuff, but not like those guys, you know, those guys were really more yeah, into sure. than I was. And I, I turned them down, you know, and I thought they, I, you know, at the time they weren't like what they are now. They were kind of sloppy and they were playing, you know, I just, I didn't, it wasn't for me and and I wasn't into doing all the hard drugs. So I passed, you know, so wow. I, I, I often wonder what my career would be like had I, you know, uh, turned left when I should have turned right or something, you know? Wow,
1: that's,
2: that's intense, man. Uh, well, actually, everything
0: happens for a reason, Dan, you know?
2: I I, I don't know. I just. I, that, that may be so, but uh well, I'm gonna go out and say it
1: because everybody else is thinking of Metallica, they're posers now, and like hexism, so
2: you know, that's I mean that's
1: the reality, I mean, they've sucked for like a, a good amount of time, you know, so yeah,
0: that's what he's saying
1: i I'm totally oh oh, I'll say it, dude, yeah, Metallica it, sucks dude they've uh, they've sucked for like decades,
2: you know yeah, well you, you gotta you gotta realize, man, um it, that's I mean they, they they're. Gone down in history as you know, the fucking one of probably the biggest bands in the world. You know, it's hard to maintain that level once you've done that. And you know, it's uh, you know, I'm sure they don't care, I'm sure they're laughing all the way to the bank, you know. So, no, of course, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, yeah, like a certain point, you're like, oh, yeah, you know, they're rock stars or whatever, but I mean, to be honest with you, like in the underground. You know, metal community—that's kind of like almost even like a joke. You know, I mean, yeah, everybody likes like the early albums or whatever. But you know, I mean, it's no—it's no big secret. You know, the Load, Black album, all that stuff was kind of—I'm—I'm going to go off on a tangent. So let's just let's get back to Hex, (laughs) because I don't want to like trash Metallica on your show, Ralph. Sorry. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But you know, I don't have a show of my own, so it doesn't matter what I say. Um... (laughs) (laughs) Right. But getting back to the stuff, um, what's up with, uh, yeah, you guys were friends with a lot of bands, you know, also like Sadus and Autopsy. Autopsy was a crazy, like, death metal thing, Can you tell us a little bit about the whole Autopsy friendship you guys had going on back then?
2: Yeah, um, our guitar player, our rhythm guitar player, Clint Bauer, and our drummer, John Schaefer, were friends with all those guys. So when they got in Hex, you know, we all kind of became friends, and we did gigs together and partied together, and... guys from sadis had um one of the guys owned or uh, had somebody's relative had a bowling alley in antioch and uh we we would have gigs there and of course you know bowling is great because it's one of the only uh sports where they bring you drinks you know nachos and stuff you know (laughs) so but yeah so uh yeah those were good times man um and uh we all were different, you know, Sadus was very different from Autopsy, and Autopsy was very different from Hex, and so it made an interesting show, you know, you got a little, little cross-section of, of what was to be, you know, the Bay Area sound, you know.
1: Yeah, no, that's, it was, it was getting pretty, like, I mean, did, did you dig any of that, like, any of the death metal stuff, any of that crazy, like, like, really, like, you know, vomitatious, like, Autopsy and those type of bands or whatever, were you ever yeah. into
2: that? Uh, you know, I I can definitely appreciate it and and where they're coming from and stuff, but uh, for for me, I'm, I guess I'm old fashioned. You know, I, I I grew up, you know, listen, you know, I started off listening to the Beatles and the Monkees, you know, so I, I, I'm more song oriented. I'm more of a storyteller. So for me, power metal is is a better format. You know, the the all the, all the fast riffs and all the 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 lyrics that you can't understand with the growling vocals and stuff. It, 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 it just doesn't do much for me. You know, I, I appreciate it and understand it as an art form, but it's it's not really my cup of tea, I guess you'd say, you know?
1: And when did you get into, like, the whole... Because I know you progressed as far as your guitar playing, like, over the years, and you got into different things. And, uh, you know, real curveball was the whole, like, Hellbillies thing and the whole Rockabilly thing. Like, how did oh, you get into that, actually?
2: Well, when uh, Heck the bottom dropped out for Hex, uh, I was just kind of like at a low point and I, I kind of reinvented myself. I just wanted to go back to my roots and I wanted to start getting into root music. So I got into blues and uh, jazz and I started playing piano at that time. I started playing boogie, woogie piano and uh blues piano and I just got really into blues music. And then that led me into rockabilly. And so I, I got a Gretsch, 6120, you know, those big orange hollow body like yeah. Brian plays. And I talked my buddy Bill Peterson into buying, getting a stand up bass and learning how to play stand up bass. And we found another drummer and we started doing rockabilly. And uh, we had put together a band called the Tombstones. I wrote <clears throat> uh, 20 or 30 songs and we recorded them. And we're, we started playing shows in San Francisco in the rockabilly scene. And I saw an ad in a newspaper, in the band magazine, somebody was looking for a Psychabilly guitar player, and uh, I, the only thing I knew about Psychabilly was the Meteors, you know, from England, <laughs> and uh, and I I called up, and apparently I was the only guy that called up that even knew what Psychabilly was, so I got an audition, and after I'd learned their set, you know, it was their songs are very simple compared to what Hex was doing, so... It was fun. I could I could totally get drunk and play hellbilly shows, you know. <laughs> three or four cards four songs or three or four chords in the songs, you know, it's like blues, but you know, vamped up punky rockabilly, you know. And so it was a lot of fun, man. We we I I toured Europe three times with the Hellbillies and we you know, we actually had pretty good following over there and uh is more happening there in Europe than, than here in the States, but but we just did some pretty big shows here in the States too, you know, we, we uh knit, did big shows at the Knitting Factory in Los Angeles and uh there's some other other oh we played a uh, House of Blues man we we got the headline the House of Blues uh, in Anaheim and in uh um uh, downtown Los Angeles
0: nice.
2: those were, those were huge gigs so at, at our peak we really really had to go and Bill Peterson you know the bass player he, I got him in that too so he was playing stand up bass and it was fun you know it was there was not it was nothing I guess you could say I kind of had metal fatigue for a minute there. You know, we poured our heart and soul into this Hex project for years and years, and we're just banging our heads against the wall, and it didn't work. You know, we couldn't get success out of it. Everybody else seemed to be successful, and we were not. So I figured, well, you know, uh, a wise man has to know his limitations, right? So I, I just decided to try this other stuff. And we had a lot of fun with it. We made a lot of records. I made, like, four records with the Hellbillies. I made three or four records with the Tombstones and um, did a lot of touring, had a lot of fun. And uh, and then when I got the call, uh, what happened was my wife talked me into getting on the Facebook. And I was rel- reluctant to do that. Huh. And, and the, the, like, the next day I get a, I get a, a, a request from uh, um, Laurent uh, Remedier from France wanting to know saying hey you guys want to come to Europe and play the kit festival you know they'll pay all expenses and you know blah 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 reform the band and and then that's that's what started hex getting back in and so I've been doing hex ever since then
0: so so uh, when you were invited to uh, to play this festival by then like the fatigue was gone right you did you get like a new appreciation for metal being away from it for a while
2: yeah, that, and you know, I think it was necessary because I did well. I didn't have the heart for it anymore. You know, I it, I would just I'd given everything and had gotten nothing in return. You know, in, in term for, from my perspective at that time, and so to revisit it again, it it was like it was fresh again. It felt good. It felt right. You know, like that. I needed to step away for you know for ten years and then come back to it. You know, right. Uh, so yeah, it's weird. You know, I guess not a lot of guys do that, but that's what I did.
0: Well, it helped. It really did help.
2: Yeah, and I think it made me a more well-rounded musician to understand, uh, you know, the, the early roots, music formats, you know, the, the early country stuff, blues, you know, especially uh, pl- starting to play piano. You get you get a feeling for, for chord structures, song structure, and, you know, what works, what doesn't work. You know, just, you get a different perspective, from playing the roots music, and then when you go back to metal, and I, I just realized, wow, man, you know, I had a different perspective and a new a new outlook on it. So I, I don't know. I don't know what hex would sound like right now if I hadn't done that, you know?
0: Right. Will are you there?
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: No, no, I'm here. I'm not listening. uh Actually, it's funny because you know when you were talking about you could go out and and just play drunk or whatever. Oh, by the way, just so you guys know, for the record, I'm drunk right now. Uh, by the way,
3: <laughs>
1: I've been like pounding down scotch like like a madman, you know. While we're like talking, I'm like excited, you know. It's like it's you know it's uh, it's party time. I'm talking to you know freaking Dan from Hex, man. It's sick, you know. So what's what's your drink of choice? That's not even on my list, but I want to know.
2: <laughs> oh man, you know what? I, um, I uh, I'm a was a bourbon man for a long time. I love Jim Beam, Maker's Mark, you know, the top shelf bourbon. Uh, yeah, I had, to, I had to stop though, man. I, uh, the end of this month on the 27th, it'll be a year that I have not had any alcohol. Oh, right. Yeah. My doctor, my doctor said if I didn't stop drinking, I wasn't going to live to see my next birthday. And that was last year. So, uh, I had to stop and I had to change my diet. You know, I, I can't eat meat anymore and stuff like that. I have to, you know, stick to a, a plant-based diet. And I can't have any of the processed foods. I'm an old man. My body is worn out. I just can't handle that shit anymore. But believe me, it, it's hard, man. I, I hear your ice clinking, and it's making me thirsty. Oh, <laughs> dude, I, I'm sorry, man. I didn't well, have no
0: idea. Well, to make you feel better, Dan, I'm drinking Crystal Light. Okay. Well,
2: I have a drink, yeah. man. I, uh, you know, I, I still like to smoke pot, but I, I can't, can't, do the, can't do the alcohol anymore.
0: Well, yeah, uh, me as well. Five years ago, and it wasn't due to my drinking. Because, you know, Willie will tell you, I I I had to, I was an occasional drinker. But I went to the hospital. Yeah. Uh, my pancreas was all messed up. And uh, it had nothing to do with alcohol, but the doctors didn't believe me. So right. you can't drink no more. I was like, yeah, it's okay. No, 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 no. You can't drink no more. I was like, it's fine. I was like, but I'm not an alcoholic. Sure, you're not an alcoholic.
3: <laughs> that's what they
2: all do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but
0: whatever. I, but I did stop. So I'm with you, man. And oh, congratulations for being a, a year off it.
2: Well, thank you, thank you, yeah, it was necessary, man you know it was time you know i I look back on I started drinking when I was when I started playing in clubs at age sixteen, and they used to pay us in alcohol you know right and uh I've been drinking ever since, man, and um you know I figure you know i I'm old now i you know I drink a river of bourbon and an ocean of beer, you know, so I got it out of my system. <laughs> It's still, it's you know, when I see somebody drinking a nice cold beer or taking a nice shot, especially I like, I like bourbon on the rocks, you know. So when I see that, it's like it's nostalgic. And I, but my mind knows I, you know, that time is, for me is gone, you know, I, I can't, just can't do it anymore.
0: Uh, life's more important. I, man. I
2: enjoy watching you guys do it, so I will live by. <laughs>
3: <it>. Oh, <Or> Willie! <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, dude, I, I hope you, I hope that like because yeah, I went to go get some ice earlier. I hope that it didn't come out in the recording, you know? Like I was like, oh shit, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, it did.
1: <laughs> it did. Ah, oh, fuck. Dude. I,
0: it don't matter. It's
1: okay. It's all right. right. Yeah, heavy metal, you know, rock and roll, whatever. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's fine, <laughs> kind of, you know. Yeah, but. Right. It, yeah, it's funny because actually the last drink I just poured myself, I did it straight because I was like, oh, shit, the ice, you know, like that's probably coming out in the recording. Um, <laughs> it adds, <laughs> adds
2: ambiance. Yeah, there <laughs> you go.
1: Yeah, a little bit of, you know, it's funny, you know, you guys were saying that the, uh, the production, you were talking about the production on the, uh, on the early stuff. I actually like the production on the early stuff. I mean, yeah, it's cool to hear it clearer. And actually, now that I, because uh, I said I didn't hear the new album, so I'm actually even more excited now because i didn't even know you guys re-recorded anything from like mm. the old stuff so i'm i'm dying to hear this shit you know oh it's real. Um, it's
0: it's amazing actually you know it's night and day actually is yes. uh the clarity i mean they did a really good job uh on the production on the whole album really where the old songs that were re-recorded sound you know it blends well with the rest of the album you know what i mean has the same sound right you did that yeah. all at the same time
2: yeah yeah we recorded all the songs at the same time and uh you know the same same studio and everything so yeah it was uh you know the the 90% of the material comes from me so it's it's all gonna it's all gonna sound like that you know
0: right
1: yeah, you, you guys have a really good singer though i mean this you know I, I mean and even you know the drummer we've talked about your drummer like he's he's sick dude he like really is like top notch you know you've always been you know, it looks like Hex has always been like surrounded by really, really like talented guys.
2: You know. Yeah, we've been fortunate. Yeah, Johnny Schaefer's a monster man. He's he's a relentless drumming machine man, and he's he's like he's like uh, I don't know where he gets his energy. You know, he's uh, he's like one of those wind-up toys. You know, the, the Energizer Bunny. You wind him up, man. You you can't stop him. You know, <laughs>
3: he
2: just goes. And is just like an incredible, incredible talent and an incredible find. And a real sweetheart of a guy you know he's he's so easy to get along with and so mellow and you know he's a total professional all the way down the line you know he's and he he really he really stepped up to the plate on this album you know because uh it, you know some of the things were challenging and you know it was it was it was quite an experience you know watch watching him you know and, and helping him you know f- with the phrasing <clears throat> during the recording process because and, you know with every line that we record you just you just start getting goosebumps you go, "Man, that's really good, and then he doubles it, and then he adds a harmony and it's like, "Wow, hey, this is working <laughs>
1: <laughs> are there any like um any more reissues that
2: you know of coming
1: out, any like uh box sets or anything like that you you know you might know of like down the
2: road or anything like that for hex yeah,
1: oh no
2: um yeah they they pretty much Milked us dry, man. We we <laughs> released about everything we, we have, except for the missing album. You know. Uh, yeah,
1: dude, that tape, man. Yeah, yeah. that's that's. That, I mean, there's a lot of people that have to listen to. This, you know, like I hope you, I'm sorry, I didn't want to like open up a can of worms or everything. Be like, oh, dude, where's that hex that we've never? Well,
0: you if know? you can't find it, you can't find it. What can you do?
2: Well, yeah, like, I did look for it once, but I, you know, after listening to 20 or 30 tapes, and there was three or four hundred more tapes to go, I just. I, <laughs> you know, I was saying, damn, why didn't I mark that fucking tape, you know? In oh. fact, <laughs> those days, we would just use the same rehearsal tape over and over until we got the song good enough, and then we'd pull it out and put in a new tape. And a lot of times, you know, we are stoned, and we didn't mark it. And I think that's what happened. It's just some blank tape somewhere that has our album on it that no one will probably ever hear, you know?
1: Wow. <laughs> well, here's a pretty random question. Like, how do you feel about, like, tapes versus CD versus vinyl? Like, what's your favorite... Like when you want to like jam out at home, do you like like to listen to stuff on vinyl, or do you like to like just hear an MP3, or like what's what's like your like you know go to as far as that goes?
2: Yeah, I've got a you know I still have a record player and I uh, down in my basement and I I have a large record vinyl collection and I, I still play records all the time. Uh, I have a a large compact disc collection as well, so I I play those too and uh. uh I've got uh you know an iPod and stuff so I've got I've got everything on MP3 I got it on CD I got it on vinyl you know it's like every time they change the format I got to buy the Beatles white album again you know
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. the 180 gram oh I got to get that one now
2: yeah
0: yeah same here I, I bought the white album many times many a times <laughs> it's a good yeah. album. yeah it's just a- like you it's like uh a lot of people are like no vinyl's the way to go I'm like I have more vinyls than CD. I have a huge vinyl collection, but I still love CDs.
2: You know. Yeah, you too. Uh, it's it's like a mini album. You know, I, I can see why the vinyl is still popular, especially in Europe, because it, it's such a big format. You know, we got a nice big artwork. Yeah. You
0: know,
2: like what I what I used to really enjoy back in the day was, you know, when you buy a record, you know, I, you had to save up your money or mow five hundred lawns, you know, whatever it took to get enough money to buy that record. And then you take it home, you unwrap the shrink wrap, you know, it's all brand new, you put it on your turntable, you sit down on the bed or lie down on the bed and read the liner notes or read the lyrics and just get, just get involved in it, you know. It's,
0: that's, that's exactly what I did, Dan. I'm, I'm 55, so I'm, ah. a child, I'm a child from the 70s that everything you just said, even mowing lawns, because you, <laughs> you have to be very specific, too. It's like, God, I only got enough for one album, so you really, really had to do your homework
2: yeah well, uh, my my dad was a tightwad man he you know he i was lucky to get 25 cents for mowing the lawn so i had to mow the lawn a lot to get (laughs) high record
0: i i used to go mow other people's lawn they're they're a little more generous
2: yeah yeah i did too i I used to just take the lawnmower and walk up and down the street and knock on doors you know (laughs) and we we used to make candy and take it door to door and sell it it was just rancid horrible can't we had this candy maker thing and it was You know, but people felt sorry for us.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All for music, man.
2: Yeah, yeah. you know.
0: And, yeah, I did the same thing. You know, I used to take my bike. It was like a good three, four-mile ride. And, like, uh, an example, like when I bought British Steel. And I stopped for a second. I turned the album around. I see, like, the titles, like Metal Gods and stuff like that. I, like, got right back on the bike and was just so curious to hear this. And nothing more special than laying down after a good bike ride listen to brand new music on a vinyl, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's great, man. It's so I think they'd still do that in Europe. You know, I think that's part of the attraction and part of the charm, you know?
0: Right. So you got any more old school questions for him, Willie?
1: Uh, I'm all out. I uh, actually, I, mean, I can keep going though, you know, like, God, but, you I, know. I, but I'm actually kind of curious when you said the Beatles, cause I keep getting off topic, you know, first it was a favorite drink. Now it's the Beatles. What's your favorite Beatles album? Cause I, I took the Beatles too. And, that's kind of cool, man. Like, I don't know. Like, what,
2: what's your, your number one Beatles?
0: Would it be play? the White Album?
2: No, nah, you know, I was such a huge fan. Uh, I got into the Beatles, well, partly because my, my uncle turned me on to them. But, you know, they, I, I first, first I got into the Monkees. And my, my first concert was at the Oakland Coliseum. I saw the Monkees in 1967 or 1968 with Jefferson Airplane opening up. Oh, wow. And that was my first concert. And... And then I graduated to the Beatles. I, I didn't get to see the Beatles in concert, but I, my parents took me to our drive-in theater when Hard Day's Night came out. Wow. And I was just a little kid, and uh, I, I don't remember it that well, but my parents told me that during that movie, I, I was in the back seat. They sat in the front. They said, I bounced up and down on, the, on that seat through the whole movie. Drove them crazy. Wow. I couldn't keep me still. So, yeah, I was, I was you know just totally into the Beatles. So... You know, their entire, there's such brilliant songwriters, you know, it, it, it's hard to pick one record. I Sergeant Peppers comes to mind, you know, um,
3: let I love
2: be, the, they yeah. all call a moment in time and they're all reflection on society and, and everything. So, you know, they each have their moment. You know, I, I, yeah. I love them all really still. There's still their, same, their masterpieces.
0: Same here from please, please me to, uh, let it be. But if I had to pick one, I'd say like the middle era, uh, Rubber Soul, Revolver, oh, that, Rubber
2: Soul, yeah, Revolver, yeah, yeah. those yeah, would be my
0: favorites. But I love
1: them all. Brilliant. That's actually, actually, that's actually my favorite era, like Rubber Soul and Revolver, like both of those two. You know, like they're pretty because it's like right before they got really like you know wonky and stuff like that, which is cool too. You know, but they were like before, kind of they, in that before gray area. they got
2: into the psychedelic drugs, or they were probably still into them, but before before they became the trippy Beatles.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. You ever see a movie Walk Hard? Yes, oh, I yeah. did. Yeah, I
0: own it. I own it. Yeah,
2: Jack Black. You know they're pretending the Beatles. Hello, Paul McCartney. You know the wrong kid guy. <laughs> <laughs> wait, the, is that the, tri- the trippy Beatles? Wait, is not Walk
1: Hard the part where he goes, "I can't connect the bottom half"? To the to the top half. Speak English, doc. We ain't scientists. Yeah, yeah, that's. Oh, yeah.
2: dude, that shit's hilarious. Dude, <laughs> uh, I'm cutting half, pretty bad. You know, <laughs> gonna have to be double great for both of us. <laughs> oh
1: man, the wrong nice. kid
2: died. <laughs> yeah, the wrong kid died.
0: <laughs>
2: my wife hates that movie, but I love
0: it. I love it too. Yeah, especially that Beatles scene. Yeah, yeah, it's classic.
2: They're Jack all Black them. as uh, Paul yeah. McCartney. Right, right,
1: <laughs> classic. I was gonna actually ask the um the getting back to the new uh, album that you guys are coming out that I wasn't able to hear unfortunately, but uh, Rolf did and he was you know went on and on about it, um which I'm totally gonna buy a copy of the, soon, the second it comes out. Um, the, I saw the cover, dude. The cover is excellent. Like, like oh, what's like- what's the yeah, dude? That's awesome. It's like Hex and it's got like these. These dudes, like these, you know, Catholic, you know, well, I'm assuming that they're Catholic, but I mean, yes. I, I was raised, I was raised Catholic. So, you know, to ah. me, it looks Catholic, you know? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I can relate a little bit to what you were saying earlier. Cool. And, um, dude, that album cover is excellent. Like, excellent. Seriously.
2: Oh, thank you. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I have a, you know, I'm a, I'm a heavy metal musician, right? I mean, it's my job to piss off religious people and expose their ignorance and hypocrisy, right? So, Hell yeah. um, yeah. <laughs> You know, the Roman Catholic institutions have paid out in upwards of $2.5 billion in settlements of church officials charged with sexual molestation of underage boys. You know, and this was back in 2014 or something. And there's no end to the cases that are still pending. And, uh, you know, it's just, I, I just, you know, you have to understand that, um, you know, I uh, I don't have any intentions to, you know, attack people's beliefs or bash their particular faith. But I simply mean to bring to light the truth about our oppressors and how, you know, how they've used religions to manipulate the masses into conformity through fear and and intolerance and persuade your vote. You know, it's all mixed into politics and stuff. And, uh, so I'm an atheist and I, 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 you know, I really think the the whole religion thing is holding humanity back. And, uh, and somebody, you know, I'm calling attention to the elephant in the room with that record cover. You know, it's like it's, somebody's got to say something and do something or, because it, it just it's it's not it's just not right. You know, Yeah, no, but you see,
0: like the kids crying and and then behind them gold. And yeah, uh,
2: yeah it's, what it is, it, it's the Catholic priests, you know, it, it, down in the Vatican, surrounded with all their wealth and gold, you know, because they have this, you know, people have given this to them that they have this Im- immovable social power and, and, uh, wealth. Right. And they're into politics and everything else. And it's, it's, it's fucked up, man. It's, it's, it's really holding back the, the development of our species, I think. And so, you know, What's I, hate, I don't want to try to be all religious or political and stuff, but you know, it, it, it's, it matters, you know, it's, it's, I, I, yeah. you know, I, I, uh I want to see our, my species do better than we're doing, you know?
0: I understand. Was it uh, your, uh, the, the artwork, or was was it your idea before it was drawn?
2: Yeah, yeah, I uh, pitched the idea, I pitched a bunch of ideas to our manager, and uh, they're all, you know, he, he kind of talked me out of most of them because they were a little over the top. <laughs> that, 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 that was the mild one that we all could live with, you know?
0: <laughs> it, it, it actually makes the point, though, if you look at it.
2: Yeah, we didn't want it to be too blatantly anti religious. We wanted to hint at, you know, with the little kid looking back with a crying, you know, it's like, yeah, it, it, I think it, it makes a powerful statement. And it, the idea is to engage people to think about, you know, think, you know, examine your beliefs. You know, it's the thing about faith is, you know, it's a uh, faith based beliefs. You know, you, once you have faith and believe something, you, you stop investigating, you know, you stop questioning. And then you're 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 trapped. You're you're stuck. You're like you're in, in your mind's in the in prison in the dungeon of a superstition, and you, people will you know they can seldom rise above it in their life you know. And it's I see it as a problem you know.
0: Well, of course, it is a big problem, and it's a problem that uh, just has been going on for pretty much centuries, right? And comes come to- come-
2: Christianity has been around for 2000 years. So, you know, and they've, they've been inflicting that at the edge of a sword, you know, Right. <laughs> if you didn't believe in their savior, man. They cut your head off, man. <laughs> well, yeah. That makes quite an impact on your family, you know? Okay. We I'm, believe, we believe you no. Know?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, it's always been like a strong political force. You know, it's always been something to govern the people like above everything else, you know? And I, I actually, I could see that, man. It was cool. Like, I, when I saw that album cover, I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, man. X, and, you know, you got this album cover, and it's, it's cool. Like, it's not, like, a lot of these new bands kind of go over the top with the imagery and stuff like that, which is cool, too. I dig that as well. Yeah. But this is, this is done in a nice, tasteful, you know, sort of way. where well, it, it makes the message. point. It, yeah.
0: It really, it really does. I mean, you know exactly, even without hearing a note of the music, you know exactly what that painting means.
2: You know. Yeah. And, uh, the artist, Roberto Tadrico, you know, he really captured it. You know, I, I he took I sent him an email describing well, the idea was I, I wanted to have you guys remember the the uh, kiss love gun cover. You know, yes, I look like those guys are they're, all four of them are standing there. They got these chicks writhing around them.
0: Right. You know,
2: I, <laughs> wanted, I wanted something like that. But, with you know, with uh, four Catholic priests. And uh, the original idea was the 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 young boys were going to be in their underwear right up. About, oh, about to get oh. The <laughs> And uh, you know, luckily my manager, you know, talked, talked to me. And like, okay, no, okay, they can't be in their underwear. They can't look so much like they're going to blow them. So we brought them back, and you know, and so it's the way you see it now. It was the original idea? <laughs> so it's a holy good thing. shit. It's a good thing I have a manager to, to reel me in. With. I,
1: <laughs> I
0: know. I think, that, I think that, that that concept you just had now would have caused a lot of controversy and maybe a little more headlines. You know? <laughs> hey, man, you know,
2: I, I, I'd rather be hated than ignored, right? So
0: yeah, exactly. And hey. thought more thought provoking, right? Hey, maybe
1: maybe high roller would do like a cover B. You know, you never know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. T- talk to a high roller and don't mention it to your manager. Yeah
2: yeah, 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 I don't know. I, I don't know. This may be our last record, so I don't know. You know they, oh. they, they, may, they may not want us back after this. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Oh. Well, no, Dan, just...
0: Dan, go ahead, Willie.
2: No, no, you go ahead. You go ahead. Sorry, sir. You no,
0: know, I was just going to say, I, I, you know, we've been o- here over an hour, and I really appreciate your time. Uh, it my pleasure. But, and uh, it, it was great for both of us. I, I know Willie a little more, but still, you know, I mean, I am a fan of hex and i, I love the new album, man I, I gotta stress that to the people and I will release this uh podcast uh when at least it's on pre-order. do you know if it's on pre-order yet
2: i I don't know I assume so i okay I, I don't know. I, I'll have to find out, but
0: yeah, because I don't want to like you know put this out without any you know because I want to add links to you know get yours you know and oh yeah
2: no, I appreciate that yeah, it's it's we still got to it' september twenty fifth we still got yeah. The-
0: yeah, so, yeah, I do, I, uh, is there any th- last thing you want to say, Willie?
1: Yeah, if you don't buy the new Hex album, you're a fucking poser, you know? Yeah, so, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, fuck you, and, like, you don't know, like, what good shit is, and, yeah, that's all I gotta say.
2: <laughs> you know, I, I, it's really been a pleasure to talk to both you guys. It's rare that I get to talk to somebody that knows the band or even cares about the band, you know? It's, like, my day-to-day life. Nobody knows I even play guitar or anything. I have my job, you know, and I'd go to my do my job every day and come home and that's like I got, sometimes I forget how cool I really am, you know.
3: <laughs>
1: oh, dude, let me just tell you, man, I've I've woken up with a really stiff neck from banging my head to Hex all night, drunk <laughs> out of my mind, you know. Like let me tell you, there's a lot of people out there, a lot, a lot. You know, when you when you meet a Hex fan somebody who likes hex you know you don't really meet a person that's like oh you know hex no i never heard of him yeah you you you, maybe might get that but if somebody knows hex it's always followed by oh dude that's like one of my favorite bands you know like it's it's just one of those special kind of you know bands that it's it's like you're all in you know what i'm saying like every hex fan out there and i speak for a few people because i've i've met a few other hex fans out there and you know you guys are really like appreciated by a good number of people out there trust me so if you ever have any doubts or anything you're like oh you know i'm on my own with this only i'll like this album and it's not that's actually not true there is a lot of diehards out there you know and the support will never stop coming ever and and we'll all be eager to hear like a new thing you know and and, and find that tape by the way
2: <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll, I'll I'll take some time and look for it again now that you now that you reminded me of it but i i really appreciate your kind words that that really makes me feel good because uh you know, I, sometimes I I forget. You know, why am I even doing this? You know, <laughs> I just do because it it's what I do. You know, because <laughs> no, you're
1: because you're a real rock and roll
2: warrior, man. That's what. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just too stupid to stop. I guess. <laughs> fuck yeah, and, that, uh, and
0: that's that's a really good thing. And after this pandemic, Dan, if uh, you guys ever tour South Florida, uh, you guys can stay at my place. I don't drink. Don't stay with Willie.
2: Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> really <laughs> can come over to I, I I can be around people that drink. It's fine. okay.
0: That's fine. Uh,
2: well, I appreciate, but, you, and I'm probably going to take you up on that because we'll probably need a place to stay if we go down Definitely, oh, yeah. definitely.
0: Come to <laughs> South Florida, man. You definitely can stay at our place and uh, my place, and uh, and have my band open for you guys.
2: Hey, that'd be great. What well, What's the name of your band?
0: Thrash or die.
2: Ah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you guys got going, What do you guys got going on? You got. You got a record out or a demo? Or well, something?
0: we we have we have two albums out. We've toured the world, and uh, we're on we're on um, uh, Return Newcom High, which is a trauma picture. We're in that oh, movie, and oh yeah, you know, yeah, we we got a little thing going. We there's there's four people with our tattoos. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's great.
1: Yeah. Actually, I, I got to tell you, uh, you are going to actually laugh at this, Dan. Um, I'm I'm an ex member of Thrasher. I'm no longer with the band. Yeah, I kicked them out. Yeah, oh. he kicked my ass out. He's like, "Oh, you suck! You <laughs> suck! No. You suck!" No, he's amazing. he's amazing. You're gonna get you're gonna get a kick out of this one. So I have another band now that I'm trying to get off the ground, actually. And you're gonna love the name. You're gonna just love the name. And, and I swear, it's it's not because of anything. It's it's a coincidence. I have to. say. It is a coincidence. He didn't name it after you guys. <laughs> no, but my my band's called Hexorcist. <laughs> oh, wow. that's, cool. that's an
0: uh, that's an awesome name. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: that's very innovative. I like that. Yeah, yeah, but you know, somewhere in my subconscious, yeah, yeah there was hex. You know, it, it's in there.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, subliminally, he called you guys after. That. Yeah,
1: yeah, but I'm not. I don't play guitar like you. I'm going to tell you that right off the fucking bat. You know, I can shred. I can do it, but not like you.
0: Not no, like but you. but Willie is a very. He's a very humble guitar player. He's very good. Kind of came up with some sick riffs. And you know, if you want to take the time, we're on YouTube. You know, look up some Thrasher Die and the crazy riffs he came up with.
2: I will. I'll. I'll I will definitely check that out.
0: Well, Dan, thank you so much for your time, and uh, it's been, did you have
2: fun? Oh, I had a great time talking with, with, with both you and Willie.
0: Great, man. I really do appreciate your time. And everybody out there, keep your ear out for "Entangled in Sin on High Roller Records coming out September 25th, 2020.
1: And if you don't buy, you're a poser. Buy or die.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: nice. Well, there you have it, the interview with Dan from Hex. What a great guy. What a great interview. What a wacky dude that William Barter is. All right, let's listen to something from the new Hex. So come in my vault. All right, here we go. This is from the new album, Entangled in Chaos, coming out September 25th, 2020 on High Roller Records. You look at the description below, you find out how to get yours. Get it. It's damn worth it. And here's some proof. This is a song that Dan had a hard time, and I don't blame him because all songs on this album rules, but he said, play Strive the Grave. So here it is. Strive the Grave by Hex. (laughs) Drive the Grave by Hex off their brand new album Entangled in Sin on High Roller Records coming out September 25th, 2020 in the description below. That's where you order it. And I know you will because that kicked ass. Once again, thank you everybody for listening. Thanks everybody out there that's sharing my podcast and that's subscribed and leave me those iTunes reviews and I'll read them on the air and I'll read your name on the air. And thank you so much if you're still listening, because you're a true hardcore Vieira Vol fan, and I appreciate you more than you know. So, there'll be more episodes. Yes, I got more episodes in the can. There's no ending in sight. Every Sunday, I'm putting up a new one on Spreaker, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much, everybody. I love doing this. I love you. That's listening to this. Till next time, smack a macab.